Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Workflows and Espressos, episode three. I'm so excited that you're here. We're going to have just the most fun today because we're talking about all things finance and who is that not exciting to? Not me. Yeah, that's right. Not me. Okay. This morning, we are having our morning cup of brew, which is an ice water in this mug, which is Jackson Hole themed, which makes sense because we're here in Jackson. We're supposed to get six to eight inches of snow today, which is really exciting. I did have my caffeine intake for the morning and I am rationing the what I have left because it's not a whole lot and I need to go to the grocery store. So I'm having a water. We're staying hydrated, but it isn't a mug because this is workflows and espressos. We're having an ice water, but it isn't a mug, which we feel great about because this is workflows and espressos. Super excited that you're here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Let's dive in. Today, the title of the episode is Filtering Finances, Navigating Pricing, Your P&L, and Revenue Strategies. And we have a lot of things to cover. So let's get started, shall we? Also, coffee fact for today. Mm, I don't have a good coffee fact off the top of my head, but I will say in terms of like linking coffee to the guest experience, one thing that we have done at Outpost, which is our vacation rental company, if you didn't listen to episode one, one, go back and listen, but I gave a little history on me and where I am now, but we have a vacation rental company here in Jackson Hole called Outpost that manages about 260 properties. And one thing that we do is we put a four ounce bag of locally made coffee or locally roasted coffee into all of our units for every single guest arrival. And what's really, really exciting is that we own the coffee roasting business. And so the two tie together really nicely, but it's a way for all of our guests to share in the coffee with us. So that is my coffee fact of the day, not necessarily about the coffee industry, but more so about how you can improve the guest experience. It's definitely something that I recommend in terms of just like a fun thing that you can offer to guests when they come in and a nice gift. And it's something local to your area that really ties your guest back to you and your company. Okay, so let's dive in. The first thing I want to talk about is budget and managing your P&L, which this doesn't seem super exciting when you mention it from without a whole lot of context, but I think it's important for a whole lot of reasons. If the last four years has showed us anything, it has been very unpredictable in our industry, in every industry, but in the travel industry in general, because we were so, so deeply impacted by coronavirus. We obviously came back with a vengeance, and in 2023, late 2022, for some markets, ours included, we saw this real normalization, which I think kind of made us all do a collective like, oh, shit, what a, where are we going to go from here? What does this mean for our business? And that is when budget and P&L conversations became so prominent. For people who don't have a strong finance background, I think it can be really intimidating if you're really focused on operations and then you are going to conferences or listening to webinars or podcasts where everyone is talking about how important it is to be managing your expenses and budgeting everything down to a T. It can feel really intimidating. So we're going to break it down a little bit today and talk about the budgeting process. And 
Then the evolution of the budget and the P&L throughout the year, things that you can do to keep an eye on and make sure that you're hitting your expectations. And if you're not hitting what you expected in terms of revenue or if you're overshooting your expense projections, what you can do to mitigate those impacts and how you can communicate that to your owners, to your staff and make adjustments along the way. So on the P&L budgeting side, we typically start our budgeting process like mid-Q4, and this gives us enough time to analyze our data from the previous year and start to project where we think the next year is going to go. And a lot of this, too, has to do with industry insights as a whole. I think during Q4, you can start to understand like, OK, I'm starting to book for January and February. Or if you manage really, really high-end properties that have projections of you know, over $150,000, sometimes over $400,000 a year, those properties are starting to book up earlier. So it's probably easier for you to understand what your income is going to look like further out. But we pull all of our actuals from the year prior, which in Q4, we're obviously still in that year. So we don't have end of November or December financials at this point, but we have a pretty good picture of what our year has looked like. And then we start to create our templates which we really just do in Excel. We use QuickBooks, so we'll pull and export from Excel and start to create our templates for next year. And then we start to project our income. And so a lot of this income projection has to do with where we expect to be and where we want to be, right? So if we only budgeted really conservatively, like this is what we're going to expect for next year, it's probably not going to be a realistic view. Alternatively, if we only projected what we wanted to do, it definitely wouldn't be a realistic view. And so really mixing those two things together with data-backed pacing information. So this is what our rate of growth has looked like over the past three years. This is how many homes we've brought on. This is how many homes we've lost. This is what we project each property to do individually allows us to really start to break down what we can expect from an income perspective. After we project what we expect our income to be, we create what we call a guest stay curve. And what this means is we recognize revenue when a guest checks out. Every company is different. Some companies recognize revenue nightly. Some companies recognize revenue when the guest checks in. It's totally up to you and your process and what works best for you. And this guest stay curve is it's similar year over year, right? Because seasonality doesn't change too much, but holidays do change and days of the week and spring break, like things, there are small inconsistencies year over year that we account for in our budget creation process. And that allows us to really create this curve. And that is how we start to project at which months revenue is going to fall. And I think that this is a pretty accurate process. It's something that I've personally seen done at multiple businesses, and it's something that we've done on the outpost side that has really allowed us to understand what we can expect moving forward. It obviously doesn't account for anomalies, but we try to keep it pretty conservative, I would say, just to ensure that we are not over-projecting and then overspending. right? So something that's realistic in line with what we've done previous years, but also accounting especially in 2024, for this normalization that we've seen in terms of demand overall for stays. So after the budget creation process, it goes through a a whole lot of rounds of approval and we comb through it with a fine tooth comb to make sure that we 
don't need to make any adjustments. Once we create this budget, we do not want to touch it for the rest of the year, make edits to it, and we want to wait until next year and see what we got right and see what we got wrong. It's a lot like our Good Morning Hospitality Predictions episode where we say our predictions and then we go forth with our year. We see how we're stacking up and we don't make any changes until next year on our 2025 budget. So if you have a larger company, I suggest assigning certain departments or certain heads of certain departments to parts of the budget. If you don't have a larger company and it's just you and your partner, split the budget based on what you each want to be responsible for. And I think, one, it creates accountability for your team, but it also empowers them. So let's use the guest services department as an example. We have a refunds budget that we expect to give to guests when things go wrong. And giving this to our guest relations manager allows her to feel empowered when giving refunds. And it doesn't require her to call the manager every single time that she needs to give a refund out to a guest. She can use her discretion, but she also knows that she needs to fall in line with this budget. And every month we have a refunds meeting where we meet with her and we understand how many refunds she had to give out that month, for what reason. We pull a report and it's we see how it stacks up to the budget. And the same is true for all of our departments, right? And each of these department heads is really held accountable. So each month we are able to meet with our department heads and see how they are managing their teams and how that coincides with what we had set up for them in the budget. And it really like separates us from this micromanagement of having to approve every refund, approve every spend for an owner arrival gift, approve, you know what I mean? Like the intricacies of the budget are not important if you feel comfortable with who is responsible for certain pieces of that budget. Hello, and welcome back to Shooting the Breeze with Breezeway, where we breeze through tips and tricks for property managers in just 90 seconds. Corinne, my favorite gal, let's talk about something today. We all have the particular owner, right? Every listener, whether you have one property or whether you have 2,000, we have the owners that have their particularities. Everything needs to be just right before their arrival. Talk to me about how Breezeway can help improve your efficiency for making sure these owner items are checked off a list before they arrive. Absolutely. So one of the things that's really cool about the way that we've built the platform is that you have your standard checklist of what you're going to do on every departure. And as you go through the home the very first time, you're going to say, this property has this particular item. It doesn't have a dishwasher or it doesn't have a a dresser in this particular room. And so you're customizing that checklist for the home. But what you can do on top of that is supplement that checklist with those owner particulars, right? So this is the home that has the pizza oven, or this is the home where the owner has the particular painting that has to be in this room or the particular vase that has to be on this table, or this is the owner that wants the sheets changed on their arrival and it only matters on their arrival. And so you take your standard checklist and you customize it and adapt it for their stay or the particular nuances of that home so that you're always delivering on the important pieces of information or particular aspects of that house that are important to that owner. Because I think one of the things that happens so often is we make these promises when we're 
acquiring new owners into our portfolios and say, yes, of course we can accommodate that request. And of course we'll deliver on that, but it's really hard to then communicate that out into the field. But with the the checklists and the templates that you can actually then give your team to, to act on and execute, you're able to truly accommodate those. And so that's something that we're really excited to be able to deliver to our clients. Listen, it sounds like one less owner complaint for me. So that's all I needed to hear. All right, listeners. Go to Breezeway's website to dive into more breezy solutions at breezeway.io slash espressos for $100 off. See you next week. So now we get in to managing your P&L throughout the year, which especially in the last year and certainly into this year in 2024 is going to be extremely important. And even when you're doing really, really, really well, if you've read Will Gadara's book, and we're going to talk about this a little later, Unreasonable Hospitality. He talks about how he meticulously managed the PNL. And I think that is extremely, extremely important in uncertain times, right? Like if we have learned anything, we know that travel is very invincible in a lot of ways, right? Like it's a resilient industry. People will find a way to travel, but what that demand looks like from year to year is deeply impactful to your PNL. And expenses are more important now than they ever have been. So I recommend either a probably a monthly P&L review, which is what we do for all of our entities. If you have a weekly P&L call, I think that's okay too. It really just depends on how often you're updating your financials. We try to have all of our financials closed out by the very beginning of the next month. And then we have a meeting and all of the stakeholders get into a room and we comb through each line item of the budget, see how it stacked or actual stacked up to what our budget was and compared to last year. And we make on the fly decisions. Hey, we overspent on linens last month. This month, we're not going to make an expenditure unless we absolutely have to. We're going to communicate it to all the stakeholders here that have to do with linen purchases. And next month, we are going to make sure that we spend half of what we thought we had to. On the forecasting side on the income, we have weekly revenue meetings where we go in and talk through how we're stacking up against our goals and give real-time information. Hey, I don't think that we're going to hit our March, April, and May goals, but I am forecasting that we're going to hit our June, July, and August goals. And how this forecasting process works for income is a little different than the expense side. And that is where revenue management comes into play in our pacing data. And we have a forecasting model, which if you're interested, I'm curious to hear listeners if you want me to share more about that on the revenue side. I won't get into the details of it today. And we use that forecasting model to really understand how we're stacking up against what we figured our income would be when we set the initial budget expectations and make adjustments there. So we're not actually changing the budget, but we are changing our expectations and predictions in terms of what we think we're going to make and how that's going to impact our expenses and what we need to do to move forward and feel like we're going to end up at the bottom line that we felt comfortable with. And a lot of times in that budget creation process, we will start with our bottom line and what we hope it's going to be and really work our way out. And it's like a bottom of the funnel to top of the funnel situation. So on the P&L side, I think it can feel intimidating to have financials updated once a month. If you're right now, if you're only looking at it every six months, start with quarterly. Anything is better than nothing when it comes to learning your P&L and making time for that. But 
Ideally, it would be monthly. Start with quarterly if you're only doing it annually or semi-annually now and make sure that you set up a timeline for your budget creation process. And if you need other people involved in that, if you want your revenue manager to come up with your income predictions, start to explain that to the team early and often so that you can put those deadlines in place next year when it really matters. We love the PL, okay? It's very important. It's not super fun to talk about, but now we're going to get into optimizing your staffing. So we talked a little bit about this on the Operators Roundtable podcast episode that we did last week or recorded last week. And it was really interesting to hear one question that we got, which resonated with me, and I think a lot of operators are asking this, who have just started companies or who are trying to pivot their company to be more profitable and have a lower employee to property ratio. The question was, how do I know how many team members I need for each property? And there are really two answers that I have to that question. So the first answer that I have or suggestion that I have is to pull a unit profitability report. And so what I mean by that is understand your point of profitability per each unit. I suggest creating a spreadsheet where you list out all of your units and what you expect them to do in a given year, your rental projection, what you're personally going to take home after paying out your owners, and then start to add in additional expenses. How much do you spend on linens for this property if you own them? How much do you spend on housekeeping for this property? How much do you spend on your team's time if you have an owner relations team member that's responsible for the owner communication? Talk to that person and ask them how often they're communicating with this owner. Sometimes you'll be shocked and understand. And I think, honestly, this is probably most of the time, unfortunately, and not some of the time. You will learn that your homes that are bringing in the least amount of your revenue, they take the most amount of time. But this allows you to understand like, okay, my property needs to have a projection of X in order for our business to make money managing the home. This can really be helpful with growth too and allow you to be super mindful when you're picking up properties in the future or trying to decide whether or not taking on home is worth it, growing your inventory by 10 units if that's worth it. So build this sheet. I will tell you, of course, it's not going to be 100% accurate because there are so many variables in managing vacation rentals and so many times where you're going to purchase something offhand, you're going to buy air filters for 50 units, right? Like there are going to be some anomalies, but if you can have a baseline understanding of it takes me about $10,000 a year to manage this property, then you know no matter what, you have to take home $10,000 to break even. So that is my suggestion number one. Suggestion number two is understand what you want your employee to property ratio to be. So what I mean by this is if you manage five homes and you want one employee for every five properties, that is your employee to property ratio. If you want to have a really tight ship where you're running lean, you want to have 20 employees to one property ratio. This really depends on your comfortability and how much you're willing to spend on the HR side of things. Typical bottom line margins for vacation rental companies can be as low as 6% and as high as 12 to 15%. And it really depends on like what your level of comfortability is there. If you are hyper lux, super high touch, you want to meet every single guest when they arrive, you want to have 
two property managers for every one owner and make sure that the owner can get anything they need at any time of day. They can call their property manager in the middle of the night, right? Like this concierge level, extremely expensive from an HR perspective, but like the Four Seasons auberge level service, you will likely have a lower property to employee ratio. And that's okay if that's what you're looking for, right? If you are managing a building where most of your units are in one space and you're not really spread out, it's not going to take a whole bunch of employees to cover this one location, you're not meeting every single guest when they check in, your level of service is, of course, important to you, but you're not trying to provide this Four Seasons Ritz-Carlton O'Bearish level touch. Depends on where you want to fall in that employee to property ratio. I recommend somewhere in the middle, and that will ensure that you're still at that point of profitability. But again, it's up to you and the level of service that you want to provide. So keeping those two metrics in mind, that will allow you to start to make decisions as you grow. And of course, like the one piece of advice is to grow strategically, particularly if you have that sheet in front of you where you know like where you need to grow, where it's worth it and where it's not, and lean in if you are able to in your market, to economies of scale. It is going to be much easier to manage properties if they're all within a quick walk to each other or a golf cart ride if you're in a beach destination versus managing homes that are incredibly spread out. And that is one thing, whether or not you're providing a high touch level of service where your employee to property ratio is going to be lower because it has to be because you don't have the economies of scale in play. The next thing I really want to get into is analyzing your expenses. We talked about this in the beginning and how it's important, and I know it's being pushed everywhere. I believe that the 95 to 5 rule that Will Gadara talked about in Unreasonable Hospitality, I know that it is like people are talking about this book more than they're talking about AI lately. So Will should know that he's taken our hospitality industry by storm. Will talks about, again, how he manages his P&L meticulously down to like 95%. 95% of his P&L, he is combing over every single line item. 5%, he allows it to be a little unreasonable. And he had decided to put that 5% into creating this unreasonable hospitality, this incredible service for his guests at his restaurants. Obviously, we have two clients with our owners that we're trying to serve and our guests that we're trying to serve. So I would think it really depends on where you want to spend this 5%. But my recommendation for 2024 especially is to be very careful with your expenses. If you're thinking about making a really big purchase, this year might not be the year to do it because we're expecting income to remain relatively flat with where it was, if not a little bit of an increase from 2023. So unless you've been saving and you're ready to make that big purchase, this might be the year to kind of sit on your P&L for a little bit, look at your expenses, cut some things if you need to. We're going to talk a little bit about tech in episode four and how that's impactful to your budget. But conferences are something that I think is probably worth cutting this year, right? Like send one person to a conference, skip out on a couple conferences. If you've been to a million in the past couple of years, these can really, really, really get expenses and is some expensive and is something that you don't absolutely have to do. Go through your technology. Again, like we'll talk about this in episode four a little bit more in depth, but understand what type of tech stack you have right now and how much it's costing you, how much is necessary versus unnecessary, and talk to the daily users of your tech and understand like, hey, are you even logging into this software anymore? Is it adding any value to your day or is it just another thing? 
that we could do without. And just keep an eye on some unnecessary expenses for this year. I am not saying go home, lay off a bunch of people, don't spend any money. I think you're going to be okay. But it is important to make sure that you are remaining lean, especially in a time where we're experiencing some normalization and definitely out supplies outweighing demand, which I think will ring true for 2024 as well. Hi, my friends and listeners. I like to consider you my friends. I need to interrupt the episode because I have something important to talk to you about, and it is AirDNA's dynamic pricing feature. I think you're catching on to me by this time when I say I have something important to talk to you about. So let's talk a little bit about this dynamic pricing feature and what it's going to do for you and what you can do with it. With AirDNA's dynamic pricing tool, you can maximize your booking revenue using the most trusted short-term rental data. You heard that, right? You can use AirDNA to automatically adjust your Airbnb pricing based on local market and competitor data, not just yourself, also your competitors. AirDNA collects the price of every listing every night dating all the way back to 2016. So you can use that to your advantage to set the base rate every single night using this historical data. Also, just so you know, if you're on the fence about purchasing this, 50% of listings publish just two nightly rates. So if you're activating dynamic pricing with AirDNA, you are already better than half of the market. And of course, what we all want, it's going to boost your revenue. I don't know what you're waiting for. Stop listening to this. I'm just kidding. Still finish the episode. But right after the episode, go to airdna.co slash workflows for your first month free. Last thing that I want to dive into, I've got my little notes here on my phone because I do have a tendency to do some rambling, but it's just, I just get so excited talking about this stuff, is effective revenue management. Okay. For income, let's assume, and I think this is probably true, 95% of your income is going to come from maybe 90%, depending on how high your fees are, is going to come from your revenue. Now more than ever, and this has been so interesting in the industry, professionally trained revenue managers with like data science backgrounds and vendors as well that offer revenue management services are coming into the space. It is something that's been talked about year over year over year. Revenue management has become this really hot topic, but now really more than ever, it's this like data-backed approach where if you're not you don't have someone that's completely dedicated to looking at this data every single day, you're sitting in conferences or in webinars and people are like, you're doing it wrong, right? I think effective revenue management is so impactful on your income overall. But I think, and I spoke to this a little bit in episode one, two suggestions on the revenue management side. Number one, manage your projections for your properties very, very carefully. Be conservative when it comes to what you are expecting each individual property to do and look at those projections every single month, if not every single week, to see how far off your property's income is comparing to its projection. Those numbers are going to directly reflect in your income budget that is projected. So keep an eye on that and communicate with your revenue manager if you have one. If you're managing the revenue yourself, make sure that you're making incremental adjustments to your revenue. I think one trend, and I talked about this also on the predictions roundtable that I have 
that really was prevalent last year. A lot of people held on ADR hoping that occupancy would catch up. Don't hold on your rate this year. Make incremental adjustments, whether you are using a pricing software or whether you're not, and ensure that you are making those adjustments based on what you're seeing from last year's data and a mixture of what kind of inquiries are coming into your business, whether it be on the OTAs or through your website. Make those incremental adjustments and ensure that you are not dropping rate last minute by 50 to 60%. That will really help on the income side. Another piece of input that I have is if you are expecting to grow significantly or lose homes this year, make sure that your net gain, so the homes that you're losing and the homes that you're adding, is stacking up with what you expect it to be. And if it's not, then you likely need to make up for that revenue either on the fees side or on the income side of projected revenue. So two things to be very, very aware of this year. I know revenue management um, is something that's talked about a whole lot, but really just If you are meeting those expectations that you have from a projection standpoint, your income goal will be met. If not, we can make adjustments on the expense side. It's not too late. I know that it's only January, so things, fluctuations are still going to happen. But if you get into summer and you start realizing, oh, summer is my peak season and I'm not going to meet these projections, that's okay. We can make adjustments at that point and make up for it in the fall, at least some of it, right? Like it's never too late to pivot. Rule number one. I was actually rule number seven that I mentioned in episode one. One thing fun that I think I want to start incorporating into every episode are five main takeaways. And I've reiterated these a lot already in the episode, so you're not going to be surprised. But if you TLDR, too long, didn't read. I learned that acronym recently. If you have skipped to the very end of this episode, I have five key takeaways for you. So number one, make a budget and have a plan no matter what. Number two, make sure that you are having regular P&L reviews. Number three, know your property to employee ratio and understand your point of profitability for every single unit that you manage on your program. Number four, Leverage technology for effective revenue management. And if you are not leveraging that technology, make sure that you are looking into some type of tech-enabled solution that's going to save you time. And number five, always over-communicate with your team and with your owners when it comes to the budget. If your team is not meeting expectations on their budget line items that you have assigned to them, communicate with them early. And let them know what type of mitigation strategies you have in mind. And also, on the flip side of things, if your team is outperforming budget expectations, reward them accordingly and communicate with them that this is impactful not only to them personally, because when the company does better, the employee does better, but also that this is impactful to the overall growth of the business and the opportunities that lie ahead. On the owner side, if you are not meeting an owner's expectations as it relates to revenue, communicate that early and explain what you plan to do about it. I think over-communication solves a lot of our problems on the back end as property managers. Filtering finance. We really covered a lot of ground today, but I feel excited for all the new strategies that we're going to implement today, right after we're done listening to this episode. 
I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in for episode three. I'm super excited to get into technology and all things software. Spill some secrets, as always, next episode. And thank you so much for tuning in to Workflows and Espressos on your Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or really any day of the week. I'm just excited that you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in to Workflows and Espressos, part of the Hospitality FM Network. See you next week. Bye.